the second part of my conversation with Natalie Ross, we discussed what brought her to the regulatory affairs domain, and I asked her to describe in more detail what the job entails and what the day-to-day of a freelance medical writer looks like. When you are an employee, the responsibility of finding the clients and the projects are not on your shoulder. So when you transition to be on your own, uh, all your good skills remain, but it's up to you to find the projects or they come to you, whatever. So you have to add this, um, the marketing strategies. You need to, to think of how you're going to promote yourself. It might not be something super natural, um, but it's much needed. Welcome to Papa PhD with David Mendez, the podcast where we explore careers and life after grad school with guests who have walked the road less traveled and have unique stories to tell about how they made their place in a world of constantly evolving rules. Get ready to go off the beaten path and hop on for an exciting new episode of Papa PhD. Welcome to part two uh, of my interview with Natalie Ross. Uh, in part one, we, we talked about uh, her academic path uh, and we talked a lot about her professional experience, be it uh, being a professor in, at university, um, a researcher uh, also at the, the university, uh, and, and in, well, a researcher and teacher also at the university level before. But later, uh, at, at, the, uh, at the end of part two, we were talking about her experience as a medical writer in the regulatory domain. And it, it was very interesting. It's it's a domain I've been curious about for a while. And it, it's, uh, it's interesting to me how uh, Natalie was able to put all her, all those, those skills to use in this job and writing, which is something that she liked a lot. Um, one, before going on with what came after, maybe because all you know you throughout this the story that you've told so far um it seems like you have you've been able uh throughout your path to set objectives for yourself and you know and and reach them uh, you also there was also moments where well i'm in this phd which leads very naturally to this postdoc and being a, a scientific researcher and you followed that but uh you know, to to have uh, to teach, to have students, to have a line of research, uh, I, I imagine it requires some some uh, um, some will, some will for some uh, some capacity of uh, organization, but also of uh, being able to set objectives and and work towards them. And what I'd like to ask is, uh, what principles would you say uh, have have helped you in writing these different chapters of your life you know to completion and before going to the next one is there is there something that's helped you uh, and that's that's motivated you to to do what you what you did and to take the decisions that you did along the way that's a very good question David <laughs> uh, I would say there's a common denominator I've identified it in the first part is uh, my passion for writing. So whether it is as a research scientist or university professor to write uh, for funding, to write papers because we have results from the lab, uh, and then 
moving to regulatory affairs, writing. So it's a common denominator that kept me going. Um, and also wanting to help and where I see myself being most helpful. And that will also bring us to what I'm doing right now as a freelance medical writer. I looked at my toolbox and all the different documents that I've written for the pharma industry. I wanted to write more. I was um, writing before, uh, after a few years in uh, working for a private sector, maybe not as much as I wanted to. Uh, the, the, the balance between writing and project management, it was a bit too high for me for project management, although uh, it's still part of my job now. You can't only just write. And, uh, so it's an important skill to have, to be able to manage, uh, to be able to read the team you're working with. Uh, are they experienced and they know all the, the way to write this and this uh, protocol or and so on and so forth? Or are, do they need assistance? Um, that's also important. Yeah, this to, this brings me to uh, an interest. Another point that I find uh, that I always like to, to talk about and to ask about, which is networking. So you uh, you were in in the academic domain. You uh, were in in, in more industry uh, connected research. You were then uh, at university. I imagine that throughout you uh, there was some networking. You created a network of people you know. Uh, and eventually also in the regulatory domain. And my question to you is now as a freelance freelance medical writer you where you need you have your clients, you need to uh, to get uh, you know to to get your projects. Uh how does the networking that that you built up throughout the years, how does it reflect today? Does it does it still, you know, does your your passage through university through your PhD and uh, postdoc etc. Did all does all of that still have echoes today uh, in your in your work as a freelance medical writer? That's a question I have also for other people when I talk to someone who made a, a one hundred and eighty degree change. Um, from my experience, the network that you have, and then when you do that change. What is more helpful? Most helpful is the experience I had with them, but the net the network has to continue growing, uh, and we can't underestimate the soft skills that is needed. Um, and we think because you're a freelance writer, you need to be good at communicating, entertaining a good relationship. And when I, in terms of good relationship, I'm thinking of a client. Um, the client will want to work with you because, of course, of your of your hard skill, your scientific skill, writing skill, but people skill it has to be there. And and even if you are in your own lab, you are a PhD student, it's the same. Uh, we are in a society, a multi um, uh, diverse and very connected society. Even when you have you do your own work as a PhD student. You're connecting with other students. You go and you present your um, your poster, your new results. Um, connections start there, and you never know which connection will lead you to another, to another, to another. So it's very growing. Um, and just 
be attentive, be there for people. And it's be, I want to say be real. <laughs> it's you don't connect with people just um, for your own interest, but to be there for, to serve. And it, it brings your network grows natural. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Service is, is definitely something I, I, I believe a lot in. And, and uh, uh, it's, it's very interesting that you, that you put it like that. And, and it's clear to me from what you've said that it's something that's always in the back of your mind. Who am I serving when I do this, uh, this, uh, this work? Uh, and I think it makes for a more fulfilled life. Uh, and, and um, I imagine also, it must color the the work that you do in a way uh, the, the 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 way the way you um, set yourself out on a project if you have that in mind. Uh, I really I'm really happy that you mentioned it actually. Now something else that that's connected with networking but in a little different little bit different way. You've been a student. You've been a professor. Uh, you you know you you you've been uh, uh, an employee uh, and. Throughout these, and there's two facet, two sides to this coin. Throughout these experiences, you may have crossed people who crossed paths with people who either helped you, championed you, or or inspired you. Uh, they, you might consider them mentors, even even eventually. Uh, was this the case? You know, when you were in a PhD uh, or or uh, as a scientific uh, as a research scientist, were there people that uh, kind of helped you uh, turn the pages of the different chapters at certain key points? Yeah, you're mentioning that. And I, right away, I can identify two individuals who helped me a lot. I would say they would be, they would challenge me. They would inspire me. Uh, they might not know it. <laughs> uh, the first one is uh, Dr. Régent Sanson. He's uh, at Ecole Polytechnique. Um, Régent challenged me and inspired me uh, because it, you might find it funny because he had confidence in what I'm doing. Um, my personality is to be an independent person, so it would just poke his head in the lab and ask how I was doing. But knowing that uh, if, I if I was in trouble, I would see him. So the door was always open um, and he would provide me and just give me enough, I don't know if I can say that in English, enough rope for me to go and go. And if I was in, in really a dead hand or something, I had questions on my projects, on my writing. I knew I can count it on him. So that was, in a sense, to me, uh, was reconforting. Um, just the presence and confidence. Having his presence and confidence. No, uh, that I guess that empowered you in a way, and especially if, if that's your type of personality, you, you felt good about about him not being a micromanager or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> and I also good. to have the possibility of go and present my results throughout my PhD. And so right there, you start building skills that um, you just realize, oh, if I hadn't uh, did a PhD, I wouldn't have presented my results in Europe and, and everywhere. So uh, that was also a good um, sign of confidence. And you mentioned there was a second a second person. Yeah, second person. Her name is uh, Anne Tomlin. She's actually um, 
the founder of Kenrick, a woman with a very diverse and large experience in the pharma industry. Um, her personality, being calm, being always open for discussion, and again, uh, the same, uh, being confident in what you can do and what you can offer, to me, it was really stimulating. Um, even when I left Anreg to start on my own, um, and showed me again confidence that she was somewhat sad that I was leaving, um, and going in a field where you have a lot of medical writers, um, I felt that she was maybe worried about me, but again, confident that uh, I could be successful. So that was really, um, great to hear mm -hmm. empowering empowering for you exactly excellent and the other the other side of the coin and i'm saying this because we crossed paths a few years ago on a career panel at mcgill university uh talking to students who had these questions who that, that i feel that the papa phd audience has of what's coming next and specifically this panel had to do with with medical writing uh and where i'm getting at is how uh because you've been a professor too, have you felt that you've been able uh, throughout your, your career path to also give back and mentor people? Well, I'd like to start with saying that um, when you look at the different careers, uh, you have advantages and inconvenience in, in all of those. Uh, like right now, am I missing sometimes having a lab and having students to interact with? Yes. In other, in uh, on the flip side, um, I really enjoy uh, working on my own, deciding on the projects and, and deciding in when and where to, to work. And so your question was about mentoring. Uh, the, the mentoring is different. Yes. So it's obvious as a university professor, research scientist, you have all the students that are um they want to have your opinion, and I'm thinking more of the graduate students. It's a one-on-one -on -one, uh, mentoring, and that's only that's actually one thing I realized about my personality that I was more um, a mentor or a coach than a professor. In the sense that I I privileged a one-on-one, -on -one or so it helped me discover that anyway. And as of now, I've been freelance. Um, medical writer since 2011, uh, that would be through other medical writers who want to go in the field that would approach me, email or phone. And I try as much as possible to find time to discuss with them. Um, I remember one student, she was just finishing, well, actually two or three, they were finishing their PhD. They uh, looked like me, they were interested into writing. They didn't really want to go uh, as a professor, but they wanted to be in a challenging environment, uh, whether it is as a freelance medical writer or for a pharma company. Um, and as much as possible, I take an hour on the phone with them and... Um, or go for lunch. That is <laughs> something uh, very interesting to, to me because I always need to go out working on my own in my office. Uh, so lunches, um, sometimes I, some of them, I stay friend with them and then they go in the field and 
it is important also as a freelance to have a network of people we can interact with and can discuss your what you're facing, whether it challenge or also good good projects. Um, it's it's yeah helpful. I agree totally, and uh, and one thing, if if listeners out there, and eventually uh, uh, we'll share Natalie's contacts. But uh, if you're thinking of a career, and uh, you can, you if you have the possibility of reaching out to someone who's in that domain that interests you, and have coffee, have lunch, or people call it an informational interview, you know. But it could be just having coffee with the person, and but coming prepared with questions about uh, the reality of the day-to-day of the profession etc do it and people the people some people will be super busy and won't be able to respond or say yes but some people will and you will gain a lot by by doing that and you're clearly an example and i i think it's it's really cool and 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 really important at least to me to give back and uh i think it's fulfilling and as you say there's this this plus that is you're also creating you know you you're also creating a, a network of colleagues and even eventually friends uh like-minded friends that that you can uh, that that you can uh, eventually cultivate these friendships and these relationships yeah. uh now you just alluded to the fact that you know as a as a uh, uh, when you transition to to be to become a freelance medical writer, um, your your uh, the founder of of Canreg was a little bit worried. Of, you know, you're diving alone into this <laughs> big pond, but she had some confidence in you, and clearly you were able to to create a, a successful career for yourself on that side uh, and and a fulfilling one. But can you maybe talk a little bit about what the difference is in your day to day? Uh, of being at uh, somewhere like Canreg and now as uh, you know uh, being a freelancer having your website having your clients how how is how is that dynamic how is that different and and maybe because different people thrive in different uh, contexts right and why is why does this work better for you and and um yeah w- what are the advantages let's say for you of of being the 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 the, the uh, the master of your own of your own uh, ship, let's say. <laughs> I would say the main difference is, although you might be compassionate, you might be one hundred percent with your project. When you are an employee, the responsibility of finding the clients and the projects are not on your shoulder. So when you transition to be on your own, uh, all your good skills remain. But it's up to you to find the projects or they come to you, whatever. So you have to add this, um, the marketing strategies. You need to, to think of how you're going to promote yourself. It might not be something super natural, um, but it's much needed uh, if you want to, to be known, get known, be seen. Um, so it brings additional skills to develop, uh, readings to do, and so on and so forth. Uh, and, and then you control everything. That means you have the full control, but also you have to to do all the tasks, whether it is invoicing, whether it is promoting, whether it is going to get your supplies for, for your office. So you have to be knowledgeable of that and prepared and, and integrate that into your new life. 
I just want to take a moment before going on with the interview to let you know that you can help me end the show by leaving a star rating and a comment on your podcasting app. If you want to go a step further, go to patreon.com slash PhD now and become a supporter. For the equivalent of a coffee per month, you'll be helping me immensely with the recurring costs of hosting and producing the show. Again, thank you for being a true fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, you touched on a very important point, which and I feel that uh, depending on the, the the research domain, but there's a lot of introverts uh, in 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 academia, and uh, you know, coming out of a PhD, uh, I think it's some it's pretty uh, widespread. <laughs> the, the, the introversion is something that you find a lot, and you just said you need to cultivate this these new skills of marketing yourself and. Yes, it's important as a as a freelancer. More important uh, because now you really have to take care, like you say, like you're saying, of all the different facets of of, uh, of marketing the service that you offer. But also, you know, coming out of a PhD, and if you go into the job market, you also need to learn to a certain level some skills of promoting yourself. Uh, super, super important. I'm super happy that you mentioned it. And um, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the opportunity to maybe ask you. On in your experience, you know, when you did the transition, did you was there training that you took? Uh, you talked about books that you might have read. Can you maybe give some advice to the listeners of things that that they might look into that will help them be better prepared for for this type of you know uh, of experience of you know being in full responsibility of all these different uh, different things. Um, Uh, mm-hmm. in, in, in French, we would say car de métier, right? Mm-hmm. The, the invoicing, mm-hmm. the promoting, uh, you know, or the, their direct con- relationship with the clients, etc., uh, etc. Et what were the resources that uh, that you have used to kind of hone those skills and and get better and better and better at it? Yeah. Yes, uh, I'd like to go back, um, David, also to promoting yourself and how hard it can be. One trick that I've developed, because for most of us, if we look at it as talking about ourselves, it's not appealing. We might be, like, especially if you're introvert. Um, I think the way to be able to do it, because it is needed, is to flip it a little bit, is you're not actually promoting yourself. You're promoting your service. You're promoting your, your product. And that might help into, okay, I'm talking about myself. It's just what I have to offer. And you, you just put it on, focus on what you have to offer. And it's similar to when you're a PhD student and you go out there and you present your results. Um, it's a lot different than go on the stage and talk about yourself than to talk about, oh, look at how good my bacteria performed in the lab and so it's the same uh, that's my little trick anyway um and <laughs> just refra- so, reframe it in your mind yes exactly okay so you mentioned about uh, business um yeah the, the approach um i found one or two books uh, i can mention the author it's in french so it's uh, jean-benoit nado Uh, those are books dedicated to uh, freelance worker. One is very large freelance worker at 
large uh, to do your income tax and you have to incorporate or this and that. The other one was specifically about writing, how to approach uh, to sell a paper. Um, so that was really good. And I'm also connected to uh, another francophone. He has a very, very nice platform. It's Serge Bouchemin. And his platform is Alias Entrepreneur. Um, hearing from different uh, different business areas also is very stimulating. Although it's not always applying to you if you're speaking with an entrepreneur who's selling like a thousand breads or bagels a day. It's, of course, it's very different. But there is a common um, common denominator that is always help, helpful. So if, I'd say if you're already curious about what you're doing, um, you have to stay on top. I'm, I'm a firm believer in ongoing ongoing learning. Um, so I'm connected to associations that are helpful for medical writing. So the same applies to marketing in some, some way. Um, and we have great tools nowadays. I think 25 years ago, it, there was no LinkedIn, or maybe not as much. Uh, so LinkedIn is a really, really good tool to be known, especially in, well in, in medical writing, in the pharma industry, it's a good tool um, to have a portfolio that is on the web that helps having you known. Um, and, and having a, also a network of people who are experiencing the same as you do, or maybe in advance of you. So. Okay, interesting. And so, imagine someone who's maybe fairly introverted who who uh, wants to to get into this domain. Is there like maybe either either one resource or one like quick advice uh, in, uh, that could help them just get their you know dip their toes in and and start promoting themselves? I see that you have. Uh, I've seen that you have a, a website, uh, you know, natalierust.com. Is that something that that's, that uh, helps you in getting exposed? You talked about LinkedIn too. What would be uh, the thing? Maybe there's some training that people could take. Uh, I don't know. I'd like to hear your opinion on that. Yeah, well, if you're introverted, try to find tools that would be working for you. Your, your website and your LinkedIn profile will work for you. And that means you need to invest the time. You can create a profile in five minutes, but you can also take a day to find the appropriate keywords that will help you getting noticed. And if you think in, in this way that is going to work for you while you do something else or you sleep, it's a one day really well invested. Same as if you do a website, um, if you're really good at it, go for it. And you can also see it as, okay, I'm going to be helped with someone who's doing that for a living. Uh, the CEO is so complex to me. So I definitely had help to develop uh, my website and to keep it, uh, to revisit it, and to, to know by those specialists what works. Like I've been told that if you go often and you add things, it's updated often, it's going to be better monitor and better position. Then again, if you're introvert, work on those tools that will do the work for you, and uh, it's a good way to do and, it. And and uh, for people who are 
still like doing their research for the PhD, let's say, or, or in the postdoc, how can they start? Because you talked about creating a portfolio. Uh, and if if you're doing research, especially for your PhD, you may not, you know, you're not going to, or it's going to be hard to have actually, you know, medical writing contracts at the same time. Uh, is is there uh, something that you can suggest people do uh, on the side, maybe, or you know, so, some habit that they can that they can uh, cultivate that'll help them uh, hone their writing and maybe start actually having a small portfolio already by the end of their PhD? Oh, that's a fantastic question. Perhaps when you're doing your PhD, you don't have the time or you might not have the experience to be hired as a medical writer, like a full job. However, writing opportunities are everywhere. While I was doing my PhD, I wrote... um, for, for two years, I wrote a column, an environmental column, uh, and it was in a magazine for the construction industry. doesn't matter what the, the readership or the, the members of this association, but I hadn't. So I knew that I had to pick once a month topic. I would do research. I would work on my interview skills and then slowly if you work for two years and once a month, you have an article. Well, that's 24 uh, articles while you're doing your PhD. Um, so there, there are the official doors of having a perfect job, but also there, mm, there are um, opportunities that are there all the time. And it's interesting we're, we're talking about this. When I was asked to do this column, I was talking to a good good friend, good senior friend of mine. I said, well, I don't know if I'm going to go that way. I might not have time. And she told me something I would never forget. She said, well, when you finish your PhD, you will start with your life. You might be in, uh, a research scientist. You might have kids. You won't have time. So take the time now. And it was such a great advice, really. Take, embrace every opportunities that come to your life. They, they are not there for nothing. And they might, uh, they might be there to show you your way. Uh, to me, it became obvious that um, although it was um, not very, um, something you would see very often, like a student who would write for a column, it was, it was so, <laughs> such a good decision. Yeah, and, and right? like you say, if you don't see it very often, you you end up stand if you do it you stand out from the crowd if you, when you you know when you first start showing your CV oh you you had a column on this on this magazine very interesting uh, I imagine uh, no uh, it makes total sense uh, I imagine employers uh, see that and already you know pick the CV out and say this person has a different potential let's let's see what this is all about very 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 cool and uh, I I think. Uh, like I said, it's a question of opportunities too. You were approached to write a column. Uh, I, I think you were lucky to have someone who gave you very good advice. Uh, take the time now because when life starts, <laughs> you may not have time anymore, and you probably won't have time anymore to experience uh, different in different things. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree totally. Uh, it's very, very, very interesting. Um, so today. You have your website. Uh, you, you're a freelance medical writer. Uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, 
you know the the projects the type of pro- not the specific projects of course but the type of projects you work on how how, how interesting they are to you and uh, and and maybe on the day to day of of you know what your professional life looks like well, i would say that uh, typically i have i don't know maybe from five six seven eight projects on the way at the same time they are at different um different rates i would say and, and different phases um it could be a, a mix of let's say writing a protocol starting a protocol it could be writing a protocol for a research uh, study and then once the study is completed uh, a report has to be written to be submitted to health canada the fda so on and so forth. Uh, it could be position paper at the same time. And the way to handle all of, the, all of this is to, is to to know that they might be at a different uh, different time. So you might be finished with draft one of your protocol, then the team takes a few days, a week to review it, and then you, you switch back and forth. So of course, it takes uh, organization, it takes planning uh, skills to be able to to do everything. Uh, although I'm trying to work reasonable number of hours, sometimes it could be more because of things that you have promised have to be completed. Um, and that's really a value of mine when I say I start something and it's going to be delivered in such and such days, then I do everything I can to deliver on time. On time is as important as your content when you're a writer. As you might know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, and how how I imagine that you have you you must have uh, clients that that uh, that come back time after time. Uh, how how easy uh, was it to to build these? Because there must be some type of relationship building, right, with the clients uh, a, a long time. How does that go? How does it evolve? Because uh, I, I, I thinking of my experience as a medical writer, and I wasn't a project manager, but I saw sometimes these these uh, these clients have really tight deadlines. They they're fairly stressed, and they may uh, they may uh, pour some of that <laughs> onto you, or you know, transmit it to you a, a little bit. Uh, I guess you've had to develop some some skills on that side too, right? The building a relationship and and uh, and the, the the trust of your clientele. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And as you mentioned, you never know. You have a client coming to you. I mean, a new client. It could be for a one project that are really um, they are short of staff. They need someone, and it might be just one product. But uh, for other clients, uh, I have clients since the beginning or since uh, 2011 or 2011 or 12, 13. Um, and um, yes, building a relationship is important. Uh, what I do at the beginning of a project or for a new client is to talk as much as possible. Don't be afraid, just not count on what they are bringing as information, but go through all of the who, what, where, when, why, why do they do that? Who am I going to interact with? When do you need it? Is it driven by a regulatory uh, requirement? Um, <clears throat> so the more you know, the more you put in your uh, quotes, huh, is also helping down the line. Of course, things that I'm asking now are maybe different than 
when I started. Uh, now I know what to ask. <laughs> um, and uh, yes, you mentioned also the stress. It's part of it's part of it. Uh, there are a few things that you can do to to alleviate this. Uh, one thing also is to talk about the reality of, of medical writing. Um, for the next project, uh, if the project was really, really on a short notice, you can try to, I don't want to say educate, but you can try to inform that, oh, maybe for the next study, you can contact the medical writer three months before it finishes instead of when it's finished. So, yeah, uh, communication is key. So we're reaching the, the, the end of the interview. I think we could talk a, a long time about about all of the reality of being a freelancer there's a lot to talk about um but it's been interesting to see uh to see how you know you 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 did you, you followed your this journey you you decided when to to turn when to go to university and then when to to go into medical writing and eventually to become a a freelancer it's it's really interesting uh I, I really enjoyed also talking about uh, the importance of uh, mentorship, be, uh, you know, being be, be it the, the importance mentors can have on us, but the importance of us then giving back to people who are now embarking on the the same adventure. I, I think this is something you 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 believe in, and and I do believe believe in it too. Uh, but um, I would really now now that we're reaching the end of the interview interview, <clears throat> I would really like to ask you that to thinking of people who are, let's say, finishing their PhD and uh, or there's two years left in their PhD and they kind of know that they want to go into some domain of medical writing because there's, there's different the different flavors of medical writing. But let's say it's regulatory, like, you know, the domain that you know. What two or three pieces of advice do you have for them? One, you've already mentioned, you know, try your hand at uh, at writing in, in different things. That's that's one for sure that's already out there. But if you have one or two more uh, that you could share, uh, I, I'd really love for you to share with the, with the to share them with the audience right now. Mm -hmm. Thank you for, for that opportunity. Yes, I can definitely relate to being two years to the end of a PhD and wondering where I'm going to go. Um, uh, what could be done for sure is talk, talk about it. Um, it is only normal to not knowing where, and even if we know, we might um, be informed of something else and we can go in a different way. So just be genuine, transparent, say, oh, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm wondering, and, and talk to people who are ready, whether they are a professor, and if you have a chance to go, uh, I think that one of the best places is um, conferences, um, you present your thing, or you just go as a student, sometimes it's ridiculously cheap to attend, and talk and say, are you happy? What are you doing? What's your path? And uh, can we be in contact? Um, that will fill your head with so many different things or different way of seeing the thing, and also, be confident. Know that you have something to bring. Uh, and if we look at strictly regulatory, as I mentioned, people come from different, um, they have different uh, expertise on, on the table, whether it's pharmacy, uh, medical doctor, chemist, and so on and so forth. So 
you have your skill, you bring your skill to, to the table and you continue to grow. So just to keep that in mind, to be confident and also be confident that life will provide. I mean, it's, it's a way of seeing the life, seeing life as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is important. Excellent. Natalie, uh, very wise words. Uh, thank you so much. I'm super happy that you were uh, that you accepted to to be on the podcast. Uh, uh, the one last thing before before uh, uh, finishing before ending the interview would be to ask you if people want to reach out and uh, and ask you questions about the career uh, or, or or you know they to, or connect with you. What's the best platform? What's the best way to 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 uh, reach out? Yes, absolutely. I would be happy to discuss uh, with the individual if I um, can help or inspire one individual. I'm happy to do it. The best way to reach me, that would be my email. And I'm going to give it. It's info at natalieras.com. So Natalie spells with an H, N-A-T-H-A-L-I-E-R-O-S-S.com. Perfect. And uh, well, p- people can find you on LinkedIn for sure. You mentioned LinkedIn. Uh, and I already mentioned your website, uh, which is uh, Uh did it, I don't know if we missed anything in terms of contacts, but, um, but clearly, uh, listeners out there, if you have questions on, on medical writing, on regulatory writing, uh, it, it's if you and if you've listen to the rest of the interview, you will know now that Natalie will be open to uh, any inquiries and sharing her experience. So Natalie, thanks a lot for having been on the mic with me. Thank you for inviting me and uh, thank you for being so inspirational for for the, your crowd, your audience. Well, it, it's part of that mission of giving back. I, I'm, I'm really happy to have started this project uh, and, uh, and I'm happy to have uh, people you know, like you that accept to come and share uh, and share their story. And uh, if, if it inspires one person out there, I'm, I'm already uh, over the moon happy with, with this. <laughs> so thank you and uh, all the best for, for your projects. And uh, I, I guess we'll, uh, we'll probably talk soon. Thank you, David. If you enjoyed the insights shared on the show each week and would like to dig deeper into some of the subjects covered, you can now join the Papa PhD Postgraduate Career Exploration Group on Facebook. There, you will find like-minded listeners, but also a few of the past guests who will be taking part in the conversation. So, to start a conversation, just go to facebook.com forward slash PapaPhD and ask to join. And if the show has helped you in any way and you'd like to contribute... Join the Papa PhD Patreon at patreon.com forward slash PhD and become a monthly supporter. You will be helping me continue to interview interesting guests and to bring you stories that will help you in your career journey. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Papa PhD podcast. Head over to papaphd.com for show notes and for more food for thought about non-academic postgrad careers. I'll always be happy to share inspiring stories, new ideas, and useful resources here on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts to always keep up with the discussion and to hear from our latest guests. 